The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. And today I am I have the pleasure of having Mark Stuss join us. He is the CEO and Chairman of Proof Analytics. Welcome, Mark. Hey, it's so great to be with you. Thank you. I got your last name right. Yeah, you did. You <laughs> All right, good. Thank you. Anyway, you are doing some really exciting stuff that I want to talk about. But before we do that, I would love to get a little bit of your background and how you've gotten to this point in terms of, you know, six and a half years in of building proof analytics. You bet. I mean, so I am not a data scientist, and that's really important to say, right? I can talk pretty extensively about it. I've become pretty educated about it. I can sit with CDOs and not make a complete fool out of myself, (laughs) right? But I am a business leader who about almost 20 years ago, discovered the power of analytics and said, got to have more of that. Okay. And so I began climbing that hill. And I think probably all your listeners know what that hill looks like yes. and what it yes. feels like, right? And you get to certain points and you're like, you got to be kidding me. This mm-hmm. is just ridiculous amount of effort for- A you little know, piece of information. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's almost like, you know, we're going to make cognac and- but it's going to take a hundred pounds of grapes to get us down to one ounce of cognac. Right. I mean, kind of what it is. Right. And so I started really honing in on a lot of the business problems associated with analytics, which invariably have almost nothing to do with the math. Right. At all. Right. It's really latency, scalability, cost, the cultural differences between the data science community and the business community. Yep. Talking about uber academics and uber pragmatists. Right. right? Yep. Right. And they just, they literally have almost like an allergic reaction to each other. I can definitely even see it. Like when you paint that picture. And so I'm, yeah, actually I'll paint it further. (laughs) I have been in meetings, right? Where on one side of the table are guys at that time, almost yes. all guys, yes. right? With pocket protectors, yep. white shirts and pocket protectors, right? And on the other side, you have business leaders and it just doesn't get any more stark yep. than yep. that, right? And they're both kind of looking at each other and saying, you don't understand. Correct. You right? don't understand. And finally, the business leaders, usually someone says on the business side, no, you don't understand because <laughs> I'm paying the, the freaking bills here, right? So let's- yes. Get with the program, right? And I'm enough of a geek, you know, and a STEM guy just naturally, where I actually really enjoyed mm-hmm. hanging out with data scientists and having 
frustrating conversations. Right. And so I just started saying, you know what? I'm going to be this whisperer Mm -hmm. figure. I actually hate that term, but everyone knows what it means. So I I use it and I am, that's the role I'm going to play. And so I started really building in all the different organizations that I ran, which for the last 15 years or almost 20 years, were all global, large Mm -hmm. global teams. I started really building it out, right? But it was, as everybody will know, right? It was brute force stuff, right? I mean, we were having to spend six, seven, eight, nine, ten million a year, mostly on salaries, right? To build out a team that could give us the latency and the productivity that the clock speed of the business demanded. Right. And that was, and it worked. It worked awesomely, right? And no one, it worked so well that I never got any comment about, holy crap, that's a lot of money you're spending, right? Right. But it nevertheless, it was a lot of money. Of course, yeah. And I would imagine those early days, people were spending most of the time, you know, coalescing the data, the data management aspects of getting the analytics defined be able to basically put enough cohesiveness around the data sets to be able to drive a business decision. Yes. Although one of the things that we really discovered even back then was the incredible value of what we now call the minimum viable model. Okay. Right. So the natural default position was the creation of these huge, intricate mega models. Mm -hmm. Right. And not only was it just, way too time consuming and everything else, but the business leaders could never wrap their head around it. Mm -hmm. And so what we started to do is we started to say, okay, you know what? We are going to build the minimum viable model necessary to give additional decision-making insight into this question. And we're going to go back and forth with the business leader and refine that model Fairly, you know, pretty quickly, even back then. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to put it in production and we're going to just, you know, and then if we need to do something with it later, we tweak it or whatever, right. We're going to do that. But, and then we also, we wrote some pretty early code to allow us to federate models, mm-hmm. right. So that if we needed a bigger model, yeah, right, a more inclusive or you know large, you know more explanatory on a larger scale, yeah. right? We could do that by federating them, right? And so that was something that we originally did in Stata. Yep. And but it, man, it was just an absolute killer, mm-hmm. nonetheless, right? Yep. So we're now we're talking about like. 2008, 9, 10, right? 11. It was just brutal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a huge amount of work. And so you just, you sit there and you go, there's got to be a better way, right? Yeah. And so we started saying, you know, the one thing that has never really been extensively automated or aided, right, is something as mundane to most data scientists as uh, multivariable linear and nonlinear regression, and so, which still, you know, answers 85% of the world's questions, right. right? Whether that number is exact or not is not the point. It's a lot of them, yes. right? And also it had the additional benefit of being a lean data analytic, right? 
So one of the biggest problems that businesses have is they have a ton of data today, but very little of it is big. Wait, what does that mean? So if we think about big data as mm-hmm. a class of data, yes. right? Yes. So people have different definitions on it. It's usually either five attributes or seven right. attributes. You know, they all have to be checked and, you know, yeah. There's actually very, you know, now the more regulated the business is, so financial services, pharma, aerospace, automotive, right? These are all going to have a fair amount of big data. Okay. So you can run machine learning. You can run, let's just agree to call it AI. Okay. (laughs) Yes. You can run AI on this and it'll work. But for most like technology companies, most even retail. Right. Yes. They have a lot of data, but very little of it is big, which means that the individual data sets are not big. Got it. I just want to understand regulated industries are required to have those attributes to the different pieces of data and hence why there is more big data. Okay. I just want to clarify that. I also wanted to clarify when you talk about latency, it's more about the time lag it takes to update the data and versus, you know, two days versus real time as a pain point. Yeah. So what it's really talking about is the clock speed of the business Yes, is what it is. Right. Right. Yeah. And if you are not staying with the clock speed of the business, you are behind it. Right. Okay. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, and then, you know, the other part of it is you mentioned time lag. Yeah. When, you know, let's say you're talking about marketing's impact on sales. Yes. Almost everything that marketing spends in order to magnify or multiply sales productivity has different time lags associated with those investments. Yep. So the idea that you can spend it today and start getting an impact the next day is a fantasy. Right. Right. Yes. But if you don't know what the average, what the normal time lags are for different kinds of, of those investments, you don't know how to plan. Yeah. Right. And you'll never find the ROI because yeah. you don't, where are you supposed to look in the calendar? You don't know. Yeah. Where and investors, shareholders, they get antsy. And so, right. right. All of a sudden you might be scrapping something where, the time horizon hasn't come yet for that ROI. That's exactly right. And we actually see that a ton in different disciplines. I mean, marketing, again, comes immediately to mind, right? Yeah. Because the bullet is in flight right. for so long in some cases yeah. that it looks like it's not working. Correct. But it just hasn't come back down to earth yet. That's right. That's right. So, okay. So you obviously lived the problem in your corporate jobs, and you traveled up the hill, you wanted to tackle it, and ultimately you started Proof Analytics. Right. Tell us a little bit about exactly, like, how do you define yourselves? What is your core competency? Give us a flavor of that. Sure. I mean, so basically what we've done is we've used some very focused, very targeted AI to aid and accelerate the modeling process right? So instead of many days, right? It's usually a couple hours, three hours to complete a model. Once you, there's a lot of collaboration in the tool. So you're able to collaborate 
not only with other data scientists, but with business users and run the models, the MVMs back, the minimal viable models back and forth right. and say, okay, we're agreed. So this is just like software at this point, right? right? We're agreed that this is something that delivers enough value where you want to put it in production. Yes. Okay. So now we're going to put it in production. We're going to hook it up to, you know, the requisite data sets, yep. right? API it. And we're going to, it's going to become largely autonomous, mm-hmm. right? I, I use that word very advisedly, sure. right? But you're not having to be involved with it on a regular basis after right. that, right? And because it's running, so companies tend to measure things at a frequency level that represents the clock speed of their business. Right. And so all of a sudden now it's, you know, it, what it, let's just say that it's daily, right? They are recalc, those models are all being recalced. As new data is presented to the models, it yep. automatically happens. And everyone can all of a sudden see not only the historical reality and the forecast that was generated as a result, right? So all the normal stuff you would expect to see, but then the as the future becomes the present, it updates the reality. And so you're, you're getting this picture of what is the delta that exists between my forecast and my reality. Right. And based on what's going on, you know, what's in that model, what can I understand about why that delta exists and what do I need to do about it? Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a wargaming component where you wargame responses. And then once you kind of, you know, this is analogous in GPS terms to being rerouted. Right. right? And once you decide which reroute you want, right, you hit yes, and it automatically resets it all. And then it filters down through your operational piece, right? So that all that actually gets implemented. And we learned so much, mainly on the culture side, on the people side, about how all this has to work in a Mm -hmm. large organization, that there's a lot of collaboration, there's a lot of security, there's a lot of data rights management, there's all that kind of stuff, right? To the point where to give you, I mean, actually, it's really weird, you know, like, what are customers' favorite things in the tool? Yeah. One of them is, I mean, everyone's just going to go, really? (laughs) So you can load data, you can feed data into the libraries right? and attach file level security okay. to that data. So if you want to, you can make it impossible for anyone to actually see the data in that file. And yet the algorithm can see. I could see the value of that. I understand why right? clients like that. Yeah. And so everyone gets what they need out of it yeah. without exposing... Okay their performance basically right, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. yeah and i think honestly that's why there's so many silos in corporations because totally. they don't want to show you right. know basically what their kpis are so if you get to feed it into a model get the results and not be exposed that's actually a win for the company yeah, right, right? <laughs> and it's sort of a really twisted way yes it is <laughs> <laughs> Nice feature enhancement. <laughs> right, right, right. Let me ask you this. So I always say when somebody starts a sentence, well, wouldn't it be nice to have, 
that's like dead on arrival. It's really about what's the question that you want answers to. When you work with clients, do you think it is it hard to keep them focused on getting the answer to the question that they want? You know, do they kind of veer and I don't know, be really, are they very disciplined about, I need that answer? I would say that this sort of is an undulating curve, right? Okay. So I think that for the first six months, they are very disciplined. Okay. And then they begin to see the art of the possible, right? Yep. So all of a sudden they're comfortable enough now with everything where they start to generate what ifs Mm -hmm. that were not part of their original urgent roster of questions. Right. right? And so, you know, we have sessions that we conduct with customers that are designed to help them triage. Right. And, you know, like, and this is still really important because it's key to understand that even though everything that we've done in this tool, it is still not fully democratized. Right. Okay. Right. So now you don't need a data scientist for, to run it, Mm -hmm. but you certainly need a data analyst or at least someone who is switched on Mm -hmm. about the topic. Right. Yeah. If you put this in the hands of a marketing team and say, create your models, you know, do the whole yeah. thing, right? You will have a really super bad customer experience, right? Yes. So the ICP on this, the ideal customer portrait right. on this, is still fairly high levels of maturity. Okay. You know, you know, I mean, like an ideal customer for us is somebody who is already doing all this work the old fashioned way. Yeah. And they this just- makes want- it more efficiently. Yeah, and they can save tons of money and all that kind of stuff and release a whole mm-hmm. bunch of data scientists, not into the open job market, right? but into much higher value stuff, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So I would say that that is key. You know, people, I get a lot of questions about, you know, is it enterprise? Is it upper mid range companies? Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's actually all of that, right? Yeah. But I said, I can give you names in the Fortune 10 that could not handle proof under any circumstances. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I can show you ones in the mid range that were data native from the founder. Right. Yeah. Are you finding direct to consumer brands more open to, you know, data, this type of solution? I'm just curious because they grow up. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, so number one, a consumer brand is going to have more data. Yeah. More observations. Yes. And they've been also, as a general statement, they've been doing this kind of work manually for 20 to 30 years. I mean, so Procter & Gamble really pioneered marketing mixed modeling, for example. Yes. Which is applied econometrics. It's applied Mm -hmm. uh, regression, right? right? So I would say that B2C is very fertile ground for proof. Okay. B2B is we have to be careful. Okay. You know. That's when the variations come into play. Yeah. I mean, and we've learned, we have five questions that we ask customers in the first meeting that is designed to help them disqualify themselves. Smart. It's like a screener. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, and one of them is this. So 
And I, you know, we'll say this is not a political question, right? right? Yeah. What do you think about the science underlying climate change or pandemic study Mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And what that is designed to reveal is do they make decisions? Is there culture around decision-making around one of belief or facts slash analytics? Interesting. Very interesting. Yes. If they're too wedded to belief, what comes out the other end of the pipe with proof will not matter at all. Yep. Makes sense. Mark, this is so fascinating. I'm very impressed with what you're doing. I think that in many ways, you know, we've been talking about as an industry, this whole, this notion of silos and uh, not really being able to optimize the different data sets within an organization to ultimately drive business value. And you're doing it and it's quite exciting. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your experience and what Proof Analytics is doing. And I look forward to hearing more about your journey. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.